we're going to um, break right into the word today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, make this succinct um, today. It's actually um, going to be continuing our series called Redemption. And redemption is basically a concept that's throughout the Bible and throughout the um, Old Testament and the New Testament. It's basically God's plan for humanity. We see the world as it is. We see that the world as it is is not as God intended it to be, but it's basically people going about their own um, way, people going away from God. And then the world that we see in all of the tyranny, the greed, the poverty, you know, the destruction that, um, of the family unit, all the things that we see as a result of people moving away from God are the product of sin. But God, through his mercy, wants to continually come and bring redemption to humanity, which means that he buys people back and communities back, cities back, nations back from slavery to sin and puts them on a new track through the gospel in him to fulfill his purposes. And so what we've been doing is we've been going through an Old Testament, um, an Old Testament depiction of redemption, talking through the life of a man named Isaac and his two sons, Jacob and Esau. And what we talked about last week was basically how God um, plans to redeem us from even the patterns that we saw set in our family. Many of us have had uh, family members who set good examples for us. I just actually came back from a two-day trip getting things in order for my family um, as my parents are aging, you know what I mean, uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. It's a privilege now to um, be able to step in and sort of start to put some things in order for them, meaning they're fully competent now, but my mother is taking care of her grandmother, and we know that it's a godly thing, right, that as our parents age, that we want to take care of them as well. And so what we see is that um, Isaac has two sons who are um, talking about how to be um, in a sort of in a line where they can be redeemed by the Lord. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, Esau and Jacob in terms of the, not just the inheritance that they would receive from their father, Isaac, um, but also the blessing that they would receive. So I want to pray and then we'll um, get started. If you have a Bible today, you can turn to Genesis 26. We're going to start in verse 34. So Father, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word to us gives us the plan of your salvation through Jesus Christ. It gives us your plan for redemption that you have for humanity. We thank you that even as we talk about um, this outreach over the course of the summer, that it is a, um, a part of your efforts to redeem the world um, through the gospel of Jesus. And God, we're asking you that as we read your word today, that you would give us um, your ability to hear you, your ability to see you, and your ability in our time to walk out the blessing that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what I want to do in this short time is basically just talk to you about the heart of God. The heart of God basically is one that wants to bless his people. God is a father and he wants to be a God and a father who blesses. And I don't know about you, but some of us have come from backgrounds where you did not either have a father in the home or you came from a home where um, the father was not serving God and therefore you did not see the heart that God has for his children and his people. But God ultimately wants to be a father who blesses his children and blesses the world. Now, we know that um, though God created the whole world, um, God did. Um, th there's a difference between God's creation and the sons and daughters of God. That's a very important distinction. God created everyone, meaning he got the ball rolling and got the ball started. But we've got to, through the gospel, be adopted into the family of God through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ if we're actually going to belong to God as one of his redeemed children. And what we see even in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of that um, the blessing that he wants to bring whenever we come into right alignment with him through the life of Jacob and Esau. So let's read um, starting in the life of 
Esau and Jacob, and really the blessing that we can see that he wants to depict for us through Christ, all right? So verse 34 of chapter 26. If you don't have a Bible, the verses will be there on the screen for you. It says, when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah, okay? Um, again, just so you know, um, we believe in um, early life marriages, and we also believe in late life marriages, and everybody say amen to that. So if you're waiting on the Lord, just keep waiting, because <laughs> he said Isaac came at 40 years old. But just to give you um, context for this, um, we see that God himself was taking Abraham and his family line to be the promised and the chosen people. The world had gone astray from the time of Adam and Eve, and he said, I'm going to have to fix this world through a family, and I'm going to start by taking this man Abraham. Abraham, and through his line, I'm going to teach him my ways, and through his children, they're going to be part of the redemption of the world. Now, Esau was Isaac's son, but in the midst of um, um, him living life and developing his own um, story, we see him take uh, wives that were not serving God, okay? This is why it was bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. He basically said, I'm going to look at whoever I think's pretty, whoever I think's going to make me happy, and they're going to um, be my wife, or they're going to be my bride, rather than who God in his um, providence is giving to me. This is the story here. Now it said, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered him, here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt for game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, who was her favorite son. I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare, for them, um, prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my... Anyway. Okay, perhaps my... Perhaps, anybody ever like just reading the Bible and get tickled? Okay. So it's like, okay. I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. I'm about to die anyway. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went in to his father and said, My father. <clears throat> and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have not done as, you, I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. You can imagine him lowering his voice for this. 
But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. <laughs> so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are Esau's. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, <clears throat> I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See the smell of my Sonus, okay, sorry, I was just making sure I read that correctly. Yeah, Sonus as a smell of a field, and um, son is, sorry, my uh, typo, yeah. Son is as the smell of the field, and the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Okay, long story, but important. What is he saying here? First of all, whenever you look at um, this story, you see that um, God was basically giving his, um, I guess, blessing to the family line of Abraham through the father. So whenever it came to a point where the father was about to die, he would gather his sons together, he would gather his children together and say, herein is going to be what you're going to be in the earth. Here is going to be what you're going to be in the world. And many of you have experienced that over um, the course of your life. You remember growing up in your parents' household and um, then beginning to identify just different strengths or weaknesses that you might have. And they might have told you how you're going to be the next president. Or they might have told you how you're going to be the next doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. Or, you know, all these different things. But they were there to bless you, right? Part of the job of a father and a mother is to bless their children and to call out of them the things that they're to become. And what we see here is, is that Isaac is doing this for his son Esau. Now, the thing about Esau is that, um, as we read from the story before, he was one of um, Isaac's favorite sons. He was a man of the field. And because he was already going to give him, in his mind, a double portion because he was his firstborn in the birthright, he also wanted to bless him to say, hey, listen, I want to come alongside of you and make provision for you. Part of what I went home to do was not only put on my affairs, on my family's affairs, in order, but they also started talking to us about, listen, these are the things that are going to take care of us going into our old age, right? But these are also the things that we're leaving behind that we want to make sure that you distribute to your, um, to your family. Meaning I have a younger sister, we want to bless her and make provision for her, right? We have um, a grandmother, we want to make sure if we go before her, we want to bless her and see that things are taken care of before her, um, for her. And we see this in Esau's story. Now Esau, if you look at the story, though, was not only Isaac's favorite son, but he was a man who was pretty accomplished. He was a man of the field. He was a great and skillful hunter. And in and of himself, he had the ability to do things for himself that he didn't necessarily, he wasn't dependent on Isaac, but he would be blessed by him. And many of you have come to a point in your life where you're not dependent on your family anymore, right? You are in a place where you're out of the home, many of you, right? And you're actually starting to live life and 
make a way based on the efforts of your own skill and ability. And Esau, as Isaac's son, he was in that place where he could do for himself, but he was also looking forward to the blessing of God through his father that would come down through the family in that um, line. Now, what was Esau's mistake in the midst of this? Esau, though he was Isaac's son, he made choices in life that became bitter for Isaac and Rebekah by choosing wives that were not of the family line, who did not, as Jessica was saying earlier, share the same values as the family line did, did not serve the only God, there's only one God. They didn't serve the God of heaven and earth. They made actually life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. And Esau lived in such a manner that he, in such a manner that he would take whatever his eyes saw without regard to God or his parents' instruction without regard to God or his parents' instruction. What that meant was that Esau, because he was successful, he basically began to be a self-made man in his own mind. And I think here in Chicago, that's sort of like what we could become too, right? It's sort of like people come to the big city. Many of you come from the Midwest. Many of you come from outside of the Mid um, um, Midwest, but you have New York, you have Chicago, and you have LA. And when you're on the East Coast, it's sort of like, where do you go if you wanna make it? And many times you go to New York, right? It's sort of like if you can make it in the Big Apple, you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, right? In the Midwest, you come to Chicago, right? It's not as big as New York, but you go to Chicago thinking it's a metropolitan area. If I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. And on the West Coast, you go to LA, or if you want to be in acting, you go to LA, right? And so what you see is that Esau had the same type of confidence, and the temptation that was there for Esau is also there for us. If I can do it on my own, then I don't have to actually have a regard for God. I don't have to have a regard even for the things that my parents, who might have been serving God, have said to me, and I can go my own way. But what you see in um, Esau's example is that he began to live a life that is um, not only bitter to his parents, but we see it was bitter towards God. And for us, if we begin to live in such a way where we think we're self-made people, it could be bitter not just for the parents who bore you, but also bitter for God. How many of you have ever made decisions in life that because you thought I have my life in my own hands and I don't have regard for God, you started to stray from the paths of God or the things that God had for you? Anybody do that before? That's actually the history of my uh, family line. They're successful. However, because they strayed from dependency on God, they began to make decisions that God himself cannot bless. When you look at a story like this, you want to ask yourself, are you living your life in such a way that God's blessing can be with you? Or is it something that ultimately he's going to have to resist or curse? You question, what does God bless and how can you obtain God's blessing? Well, if you have a Bible, you can look later at Psalm 32 verses 1 through 2. If we're thinking about the blessing of God, we think about, first of all, that God says blessing can be found in at least three places. First of all, Psalm 32 talks about blessing whenever he says this, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, which means wrongdoing, and whose spirit there is no deceit. Proverbs 14.21 says this, Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. And Proverbs 16.20 says this, Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he or she who trusts in the Lord. 
So whenever you think about blessing, you see that God's talking about blessing throughout Scripture, and we all like think about blessing, and we say, if I'm going to have a choice, I want to be blessed by God rather than cursed, right? Can everybody say amen to that? <laughs> it's okay, that's, that's just a given. Yes, I want to be blessed rather than cursed. God talks about blessing, and he talks about blessing in these ways. He says, listen, if you want to be blessed, you need to have your transgressions forgiven, right? We know that we've all gone astray. We've all gone into sin at different points in our life, but he says, blessed is a man or woman whose transgressions are forgiven. This is what the central message of the gospel is, right? We've chosen to go our own way, but Jesus paid the penalty on the cross so that we might be reconciled to God through his sacrifice. He said, blessed are you if you um, have that type of uh, relationship with him. He said, after you've come into that reconciling relationship, if you want to be blessed, have regard for the poor. Why are we doing things like this sports camp and community outreach? Well, because God says, not only should my gospel be preached, but you should have regard for the poor, right? You should do what you can in the city. If you are a have, also have regard for the have-nots, right? If you are a have, also have regard for the have-nots. My parents just came back from um, Jamaica. Um, they were telling me where... Um, which was the place of their birth, and I asked them about their trip, and I said, how is it? How is it down there? And you know what they told me? They said, not much has changed. Not much has changed. They've been here 30-plus years in this country, and they said not much has changed. And the only thing that's changed is there's been a widening disparity between the haves and the have-nots. You know what I mean? Where regardless of how they're going about getting their resources, the haves are being able to live off of the fat of the land while the have-nots are able to you know, fight for their lives, basically. And it's like that in a growing measure in this country, too, is it not? Isn't that what a lot of the election is about? Like, you know, the haves and the have-nots, what are we going to do about it? But God says, if you're going, you want to be blessed, have regard for the poor. And he also says, whoever gives thought, and this is ultimately it, to the word, right, will discover good. Finding God's way, finding out how to walk with God, and whoever trusts in him, as Jason was singing about in worship this morning, he said that person will be blessed by the Lord. We see all of these things that God's saying, this is how you obtain my blessing. But Esau, being a self-made person, did not have regard for the things of God, and he chose to do things his own way. The question is, have we chosen to follow Esau's way? Have we chosen to follow Esau's way? Have we, because we've been able to put life together by our own strength, ingenuity, and what we think is our own skill, have we had regard for God or have we actually gone about our own business, our own way, and really ignored the blessing that he wants to bring? Now in Genesis 25, we saw that Jacob, the younger brother, was able to finagle Esau out of his birthright. This time he came for his older brother Esau's blessing. The difference between a blessing and a birthright is subtle, but it's also powerful. Have you ever thought about that before? The difference between a birthright and a blessing? We talked about the fight for your birthright a couple of messages ago, and we said that the birthright was basically the inheritance that you get, right? We all want to focus not on temporal things or earthly things, but on eternal things, right? That's why we focus and center our lives around the purposes of God, because he says, I'm going to have an eternal reward for you. That's an inheritance, right? But what we see is that that's part of the birthright that we contend for. But what he's talking about in this story was giving Jacob, I'm sorry, giving Esau his blessing. Now, what's the difference? Birthright has to do with inheritance, but blessing has to do with God's present day intervention and increase on your behalf. 
Whenever you see God talking about blessing, he's talking about not just the sweet by and by, which is what a lot of people limit, you know, their relationship to God to, right? They say, you know, one day Jesus is going to judge me. One day I'm going to have to stand before God. But what about today? God's got blessing for his people today in your family, in your relationships, in your finances. He says, I want to intervene and also bless or increase that which you're putting your hand to if you submit it to me and involve me in all of the process of it. Does that make sense? So the inheritance or the birthright has to do with the reward that you'll inevitably get. The blessing, though, has to do with his present-day intervention in what you're doing now. And if you are going to live in the blessing of God, you've got to order your life in such a way that you're a positive recipient of his blessing. Does that make sense? Because there are plenty of people who've tried to engineer lives on their own, and they've hit the wall of the limits of their own strength. They've hit the wall of the limits of their own strength, and though they're achieving a certain measure, they don't have the blessing of God, and things eventually unravel or deteriorate. But the blessing of God brings increase. The blessing of God in every area of life, when God's in the middle of it and you've submitted it to him, it brings increase in your relationships. It brings increase in your family life. It brings increase in your career. It brings increase in everything that you put your hand to because God's blessing it. And that's the difference. This is what we're seeing he's receiving here. Now, why does it matter? It matters because Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Isn't that one of the sweet, precious promises of God? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love that. You know what I mean? For all the devotions that we read, anybody have like a devotion that you read day by day? And then you were like, oh, God loves me. God's going to forgive me. And then you get to the part in John where Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And you're like, I rebuke you. And then you realize, <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. He says, yes, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. But take heart because I've overcome the world because I've overcome the world, because we live in a world full of sin and fallenness, he said, you will face trouble in this world. But take heart, if you have my blessing, you'll overcome the world. I'll be with you and I'll intervene on your behalf. Ultimately, you want the blessing of the heavenly father, not just like um, Esau looking for uh, his earthly father, Isaac's blessing, but you want the blessing of the heavenly father because you need him not only now, but will face him in judgment, not in his death, but in your own. And what we see that the only other option besides a blessing is not just that somebody says, okay, if you don't have my blessing, then I'm going to leave you alone. But the opposite of a blessing is a curse, right? You see that blessings and curses were spoken about throughout the Bible. Blessing had to do with God's intervention and increase. What did curses have to do with? It had to do with God himself resisting people, resisting people out of his concern and love for them, meaning I do not want you to go this way. You're going to destroy yourself and others, so I'm going to come and resist your efforts so that you don't get there. And how many of you have ever felt the resistance of God, no matter how hard you tried to go in a direction that you were choosing for yourself? And you knew that in the end, it was God's love for you that was actually cursing that thing so that you wouldn't go there. And so God's love is not just expressed to people through his blessing. It's also expressed through cursing. 
And he's saying, I'm not going to allow this relationship to thrive because it's not of me. I'm not going to allow you to make an idol of your career because that's not of me. I'm not going to allow you to be greedy and destroy your family because that's not of me. I want you to be generous and then be blessed. I want you to have proper boundaries in your life so that your family will be blessed. I want you to ultimately submit your intellect to me so that you can have right and godly thinking and then what comes out of you will be blessed. I will resist that which you do not submit to me is what God says. But I will bless that which you align with me. And it's out of his love for you. It's out of his love for you. Here's the point. We never want to lose the blessing of God being with us, backing us, or opening doors and fighting battles for us because we are first aligned with his purposes. We never want to lose God's blessing. And I'm telling you, as Christians, it's a deception to think that just because you're a believer, you have his blessing. Just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean that you are blessed of the Father. Esau had worldly success, yet lacked the blessing of his father. Do not mistake financial or relational success for the pleasure of the father. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1 through, verses 1 through 5 says it this way. Paul was talking to the church that he had established in the midst of a pagan community, and he said, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, meaning the Jewish population coming out of their slavery in Egypt into the promised land of Canaan, which Abraham and his descendants were promised would be theirs as an inheritance. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. What's he referring to? The same sacraments that we as Christians give ourselves to today, right? We're baptized into the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and the washing away of our old lives. And that's part of redemption. Hallelujah, right? But he says they were baptized. But then he says this, baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food, meaning they would have shown up at church. They would have read their Bibles. They would have had their daily devotions and pray after day after day, right? And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Even in the midst of the Old Testament, we see Christ showing himself, foreshadowing himself, saying, I am your provision, I will be your blessing, I will be your inheritance if you allow me to be. But what does it say? Nevertheless, with not some of them, most of them. God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Does that shake anybody at all? It should. It shakes me. It is a check to get out of our apathy. It is a check to get out of our complacency, to say, I cannot call myself a nominal Christian and be okay. God is saying that you could go through all the motions and still, with your life, I will not be pleased. Because you haven't submitted it to me in full. And he's saying, where is your life today? Are you going through the motions, drinking the spiritual drink, and 
Have you been baptized into, not Moses, but Jesus? I used to have a friend who used to say, he was so silly. He was like, <laughs> he used to say, hey, listen, anything good happened instead of praise Jesus, he'd be like, praise Moses. I was like, man, shut up. <laughs> you know, anyway, I was like, sorry, that's just inside joke. I shouldn't have told it. Okay, but the point, <laughs> I know, but the point, but the point is, the point is, are you living in such a way are you living in such a way that he can actually be pleased to you? How does it relate to our, this example of Esau relate to our relationship with God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, the good news is, is that Jesus is always calling us to repentance. Always calling us to repentance. Why do we come to church week after week? Yes, to worship him, but then to also come to repentance. What that means is that we're actually saying, I'm changing my mind in the way that I was going. And if I've started to be built up in selfishness rather than built up in God, I can change my mind and go in a different direction. I can choose once again to build a metaphorical altar before God, place myself on it, rest right, build it, then hop on it, right? And say, burn, baby, burn, burn me, Jesus, right? In a good way, because God says I'm a consuming fire, I'm a consuming fire, and we can actually align ourselves with him again. We come to worship him, but worship starts by offering ourselves, not just our things, but our very hearts to him and saying, take it all, God. And when we do, we see that the same thing that happened to Jacob happens to us in that story. The same thing that Jacob was able to receive because what was Jacob known as? His name, his very name meant thief and deceiver. And so he was a trickster continually getting over on his older brother. Did anybody have older siblings in here and you felt like you were always getting over on them? Well, if that's the case, on you. I was an older brother too. <laughs> anyway, but, but the point is, is that he says this. He said, though you are known for this one thing, he had an advocate. He had an advocate, and as God was working in him, his mother came and said, you know what? Even though you deserve to be cursed, I'm going to come and speak on your behalf. And the mother said, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do to receive the blessing of your father. That's what church is about too, right? We need fathers and mothers in the Lord who are saying, hey, listen, son, daughter in the faith, this is what you need to do to be blessed. And we don't need to be so arrogant or so hard-hearted that we don't listen to anybody outside of ourselves because we think it's just us and Jesus. You need to open your life to others who've gone before you and say, listen, I'm telling you, this is the way that you go. Walk in it and you'll be blessed. How do I know? Been there, done that. And he's brought blessing through his faithfulness. And this mother said, listen, this is what you need to do. Though you're known as a trickster and a deceiver, even by your father, I want you to go get some covering. I want you to go get some covering. And, you know, when you go and speak to your daddy who's blind now, blind as a bat, you know what I mean? He's like, like, he'll recognize your voice, but when he touches you, he won't be able to recognize you. Why? Because we're going to put some hair on you. We're going to put some hair on you. Now, God, the heavenly father, isn't blind. I'll tell you that. He sees everything. <laughs> he sees everything, does he not? There are no secrets from the heavenly father, but he will look at all of us and he'll say, who am I going to see? This is the point of Jesus, right? He says, we're going to stand before him one day, whether we like it or not. He says, it's appointed for a man and a woman to die once and then what? Face judgment. And either we're going to face him on our own or we're going to face him with some covering. 
We're going to face him on our own or we're going to face him. And when he reaches out to touch us, he's going to either recognize our sin or he's going to recognize a covering that's been made for us. And this is the good news that you hear over and over again when you open the Bible, when you hear over and over again when you hear the gospel, that God has made a covering for you. And he said, if you'll listen and submit your heart to God, all of a sudden we get to participate in that hairy covering. You might be smooth as a baby's bottom right now, but he said, I'm going to make you hairy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm going to make you hairy. <laughs> and at least in my household, what hair represented was maturity. <laughs> right? Don't have some right now, but like, listen, <laughs> the point is, is that, right, you grew up and there was some hair popping out, right? When you come into maturity, you come into the fullness of being a sacrifice unto Christ. What did, what did Paul say in Romans, Romans chapter 3, that God himself, just like, um, what is it, Rebecca came to Jacob to be his advocate, Jesus Christ comes as our advocate so that we might be presentable before the Father. Romans 3, Paul's talking to the church there, another pagan community that's coming to Christ. And he said, this is how you do it. God comes as our advocate through Christ to be both just and justifier in regards to our sin by taking our punishment that must be paid for on the cross. Romans 3, 23 says this, for all have sinned. All of us, right? Not just Jacob, not just the people you want to point out in society, not the people that the church wants to go on Facebook and deride again and again that there's nobody any good. What does people good is the gospel. And remembering this, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, meaning counted innocent in his sight, by his grace as a gift, right? The blessing was a gift through the redemption. That's our series, right? Him buying us back from our sin, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, big word, substitute, by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, not our own, but God's righteousness, right? Not our own hair, not our own covering, but someone else's. It was there to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So he says it's got to be paid for, right? And if he, Jacob was left on his own, he'd get nada, right? He'd get nothing except what he deserved as a thief and a deceiver. But with that covering, he got the blessing, and in the same way, he's saying, on our own, you get nada. <laughs> Only that which your own strength can provide, and that's bad news because our strength wears out. It wears out, does it not? Anybody ever been tired in here? I know you can't answer me because you're tired right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we know we wear out, right? But guess who's inexhaustible? The living God. The living God and his righteousness is from everlasting to everlasting. He's flexing and showing himself strong and comes to bless those who depend on him, like the psalm said, who trust in him, 
who trust in him. Rebekah told Jacob to put on garments that would allow him to be associated with Esau and garner his father Isaac's blessing. In response to Christ's work, we are instructed to clothe ourselves, to clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul continued in Romans 13, 11 through 14. That's why we're going to continue reading Bible because we're in church. And when you leave church, open your Bible again. <laughs> Romans 13, he says this. Yep, my iPad dead. I don't mind. I don't mind. I got an iPhone. <laughs> Romans 13, he said, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. You know what that means? Christians, wake up. Christians, wake up. Stop being apathetic. Stop being complacent. Let the fire of God hit you and drive you. Let the purposes of God define you. That's the only thing that's eternal. Christians, wake up, is what he's saying. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Come on now, if we have any students left, you could say amen to that, right? When exams come at the end of the semester, you're like, listen, my salvation is nearer now than when I first believed, right? We all need to see a light at the end of the tunnel, right? And this is what he's saying. Good news. If tomorrow's coming at you and it's difficult, that's okay. Your salvation is nearer then than it is today. You see that? We might think things are getting more difficult, but he's saying, good news, your salvation is nearer then than it was yesterday. Even in the midst of the difficulties. All that means is it's a stepping stone getting us closer to our destination. Good news, right? The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. How do we put on Christ? How do we put on that hair? Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and in drunkenness, Chicago. On every corner, right? My parents live in Charleston, South Carolina. Church on every corner. Come to Chicago, bar on every corner, right? Every corner. Let's walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and in sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. That's right. Started quiet, but got riled up. Why? Because he says, I'm going to give you life if you do this. I'm going to bless you if you do this. Isaac said, the voice is Jacob's, but the arms are Esau's. God the Father knows it is youth. And this is always, a, this is always interesting to me, right? Well, when, Jesus sees, when God the Father sees me, does he see Jesus? Does he see me? Right? So Because I'm clothing myself in Christ? Well, he knows it's you. Okay, listen, he's not like you become Jesus. He knows it's you and relates to you as you. But when he touches you, he feels his son's righteousness. You see? God the Father knows it's you and relates to you as such, but he sees the coverings of Jesus. If you're a Christian, if you've submitted yourself to him. 
And ultimately, when we know that he's covering us, the game. Remember, the father asked for some game. He said, go hunt for me. He says the same thing for us, right? Go a-hunting. <laughs> go a-hunting. What did Jesus say to his first disciples? He said, come follow me, and I'm going to make you something. Not some food, but I'm going to make you to be something. Fishers of men. I want some game. I want to bless you. Go get some game. The game we are able to give are the good works the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. The Father, in the midst of it, has been pleased to give us the kingdom. You hear that? He's pleased to give you the kingdom. He, over and over again, that's the Father's heart towards you. Jesus said it. He's been pleased to give you the kingdom, pleased to bless you. You don't have to strive for it. It's already been done for you. But he says now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because of the sacrifice of the Son, go get some gain for the Father. Outside of God's blessing, we are left to ourselves like Esau. Only bitterness and enmity with, between God and others follow. But the question that we're going to end with is, what good will my life be to me? God does not want to give you blessing while you are turned over to serving other gods. You hear that? God doesn't want to give you blessing while you're turned over to serving other gods. Jesus asked the question, what does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? He doesn't want to give you blessing, but have you lose your life in the meantime. If you find yourself being resisted by God, it's out of his mercy for you. He doesn't want you to gain the world and lose your soul. The question today is, where are you? In Jacob's camp with the advocate or in Esau's camp on your own, trading material and earthly satisfaction for the pleasure of the Father? Where are you today? What are we to do and then we're done? You can take an evaluation. You can take an evaluation of your life. Are you comfortable with where you are because of your worldly success? Is there a de deficit in the midst of that to, in your devotion to God? Take an evaluation, number one. Number two, find your position of blessing by coming to Christ alone for salvation, coming under his covering. If you have not done that, please do so today. That's our appeal. Number three, and there are only four, begin to order your life in such a way that you bring daily sacrifices to Jesus. Works unto God in and through your church and the community that you might receive and walk in the blessing of the Father. And then number four, repent and believe the good news. Find yourself wholly, not partially, but wholly in him. Amen. Let's go out on some worship, and then we'll respond.